the sheep and the goats. Pastor Larry has been telling me that you have been going through the Gospel of Matthew a little bit over the course of this year. And when he asked me to come and preach, uh, he said, number one, I want you to do better than I have done. Um, and then also, please try to stick with Matthew. Uh, and I told him, well, it's always my goal to make sure that when the pastor in residence comes back, I set him up to look really good when he comes back. So I'm going to set the bar really low today. And just so that you know, I I don't have PowerPoint slides to go along with this. Uh, At my first congregation in Whitefish, Montana, they had a screen there, and they would do all kinds of crazy things. And I could draw pictures to illustrate and do all that. And I had very high hopes of being able to do that for you today. And... I think the laziness factor won out, and I didn't get that done. So, but that's okay. The Word of God is still powerful and efficacious, even without pictures to go with it. And there are cross routes underneath there, I think, for you. I have some in my pocket. And if you're wondering what this magical thing is, it is pickle juice. Yeah, okay. So, all right. So one of my elders did a lot of public speaking over the course of his life, and he said that you gargle with pickle juice, and that apparently the vinegar coats the throat just enough. I took a sip. My voice is instantly better, okay? Um, and But it's uncouth to gargle in front of a congregation. So I just sip. And you have to go with the all-organic variety of pickled juice. Otherwise, your stomach starts to feel a little bit weird at the end. Um, And now we're not even getting to the sheep and the goats, so we're going to move on at this point. All right? Again, my job is to make Pastor Larry look good. Success so far. Um, Also, I have to tell you at the beginning of the outset of my time with you that you are also prayed for by my congregation in Colorado Springs this morning um, because I have a vicar, which is a pastoral intern, which is a glorified slave to the full-time pastor there. And anywhere I go, I always make sure to tell him, you will pray for this congregation, or this congregation, or this congregation. And so Christ Lutheran in Breckenridge, you're prayed for by Rock of Ages in Colorado Springs this morning because that's become a fantastic part of their ministry. As I travel more, they get to learn about all these different places, and that way they get to track where is Pastor James this morning and what part of the district, because our district spans Colorado, New Mexico, Utah, and El Paso, Texas. It is the largest contiguous district in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, which is pretty. It's not the biggest as far as congregations go, but we have a tremendous amount of geography to cover. And it's fun. And it's fun. In the name of Jesus, amen. Looking at our passage before us this morning, it's interesting how different things jump off the page to different people. In our gospel reading for this morning, from Matthew chapter 25, 
it's, it's a picture of judgment, and Jesus divides the sheep, and he divides the goats. Some who are insecure about their salvation might say, oh, I'm, I hope I'm of the elect. I hope I'm of the elect. I don't want to go to everlasting punishment. I hope I'm clothing it of naked people. And then there are others who say, yep, I clothe them naked savages in Africa. I've given the people food. I've given people water. Or at least I've given people money so that they can have these things. Bring on heaven, Jesus. I'm ready. And then there's me. I don't look at that passage that way at all. I look at this text and think about what I might preach on. And then I look at the Old Testament text from Ezekiel as well. 1 Corinthians is another passage appointed for this Sunday. And then my mind just went back to the sheep and the goats. And do you know what deep theological insight I had this morning regarding the sheep and the goats regarding this text? Those poor goats. That's where my mind goes. Why is Jesus picking upon those poor goats? Those helpless little goats. What did those goats ever do to Jesus? Is this like the Jewish hatred of the pig? Those poor pigs. What other animal does God hate? But anyway, back to the goats. Those poor, poor goats. So now my goal is that I am on a goat hunt. I figured there must be some deep, profound theological reason as to why Jesus would pick on these poor little goats. Is this animal typically likened to the pig? Is that even a legitimate hypothesis? So I go to work and I begin doing word searches. I find out that the word goat is used 145 times throughout scripture. All right. And the only time it came close to being a bad passage, the word goat, is in Daniel chapter 7, when Daniel has a vision about a goat with one horn, who in that vision symbolizes Alexander the Great, the king of Greece, who was to come. It doesn't say in that passage that all goats go to hell. In fact, the majority of the passages concerning goats are places where goats are either, are either served as a special meal to guests or slaughtered for a sin offering. The goats who were without blemish or spot could be sacrificed for the sins of the old, in the Old Testament. There's nothing overly bad about these animals. And yet in our gospel reading for today, Jesus divides the sheep and the goats. And Jesus damns the goats to hell. Those poor goats. And it just gets worse. The word for goat in Greek is eriphos. Jesus uses the diminutive of goat, which means eriphone, or at least that's the Greek pronunciation of it, which means kid. This means that we're not even talking about adult goats here. They're just kids. Those poor little goats, what did they do? Well, nothing. And that's the point. They did nothing. 
When I realized that I wasn't turning up much information on goats, I turned to sheep. And pages upon pages upon pages, even whole books are devoted to the subject of sheep in the Bible. But one small line jumped out to me regarding these sheep from our gospel lesson this morning. Jesus the king, like a shepherd, will separate the sheep and the goats because the sheep have wittingly or unwittingly done the will of God. That means, and that's coming from a a, a big dictionary on sheep, that means that the sheep, the children of God, who had, when the Lord was hungry, gave them something to eat. When he was thirsty, gave him something to drink. And when he was a stranger, welcomed him. When he was naked, clothed him. When he was sick, visited him. When he was in prison, they came to him, and they knew it not. They didn't have a conscious knowledge of doing any of these things. And here is why Jesus picks sheep and then goats, because on the surface, on the basis of Scripture, there is very little difference as to why you would pick a sheep over a goat. Goats are not despised in the Bible. They're not hated. They are not seen as a lower form of sheep. Jesus just uses sheep a great deal more in his illustrations. Thus, it will be on Judgment Day. You will stand there with everybody else. And then the Lord will divide the righteous from the unrighteous, the believers from the unbelievers. But before he does this, guess what? You will look like everybody else. And you'll stand there asking, well, what's with those goats? Those poor goats. And you'll be dumbfounded as those in our gospel reading for today. Lord, you say that we've done these things, but we have no knowledge of them. We don't remember. We're actually kind of embarrassed, Lord, that we don't remember. But when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you or thirsty and give you drink? See you a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you. Ah, says our Lord, that's the idea. Because if you remembered any of these things, you would have some sort of basis to stand before me. And you would begin reciting all of the deeds, which you think are perfectly marvelous, instead of remembering that you stand here solely because of my grace and my mercy. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, For as by a man came death, 
by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. The believers, the righteous, the sheep, they are the ones who are there only because of Jesus, only because of his death on the cross for the sins of the world, and it's only by faith given through the Holy Spirit that the righteous are even righteous, and they don't remember the good things which they had done because they're not important when you place them next to Jesus. They don't in any way compare to the bright shining light of his death and resurrection, the gospel, the good news that all are saved just by believing in him. The prophet Ezekiel writes, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered. It's God who will do this. And it's all him. It's always going to be him. And it should never be anything but him. Anyone but Jesus. Because if it's not, and this is where the goats come in, those poor goats, those poor goats who look like us, who on the surface no one would know, neglected to do good because they didn't know Jesus. They didn't just sin, for Jesus, in relating this to us this morning, makes no mention of sinful acts, which the goats have committed, but that they omitted doing good, a thing which the believer cannot help but do. And as it is in our Lord's parable this morning, the believer has no knowledge of even doing it because the believer's heart is so focused totally upon their Lord and their master, Jesus Christ. And our Lord Jesus tells us about those poor goats this morning for two reasons. One is cliche, yet of of imperative importance nonetheless, that those who refuse the love of Jesus, the care of their shepherd, the salvation of their souls will go away into everlasting punishment. And our job is to help the goats see this before their peril. And the second is to remember that anything we do unto the least of these is not worth remembering as we consider the awesome sacrifice of our Redeemer. We ought never seek that gold star, that really shiny sticker, for his grace is sufficient for thee. Because when we die, his grace is the only thing that we're ever going to have before us. And as we're coming upon Christmas, not too far in the future, that's our focus. In 1431, there was a woman I think some of you know of her named Joan of Arc. And she was tried for witchcraft. 
She was sentenced to death, and she was to be burned at the stake, a death reserved specifically for heretics. Legend has it that as the flames burned around her, she asked that a crucifix be placed before her eyes. And she died praying to Jesus because his grace was sufficient for she. That's why many of us like that quiet evening hymn, Abide With Me. I think most of you are familiar with it. It captures the very essence of what our Lord commends to us through the sheep and the goats. O Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or lonely? You did, our Lord replies, but you were so busy looking at me and all my sufficient grace that you didn't notice. The last verse of Abide With Me reads, Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. And I don't know a better place to stop a sermon than upon that one verse, hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. We pray with me. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this place. I thank you for giving them the courage to seek the lost in their community, for knowing that you have not only saved them, but all the world. Help us to not see any of the works that we are doing in this world as anything to merit our own salvation but instead help us to remain fixed upon what you have done for us. Lord, as we are closing out one season of the church year and beginning another, as next Sunday we begin Advent and we head towards Christmas, how you sent your Son into this world to save us all. We pray that you would keep our minds fixed upon you and that nothing else may ever come close to reminding us of the love that you have for us. This we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. And now, my brothers and sisters, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord gift up his countenance upon us and give you his peace. Amen.